everyone. Thank you very much for joining us here on this wonderful evening. And we thank very much for those um, with Moroccan connections who brought, finally, some Moroccan weather to Oxford. So we're very <laughs> pleased for that. I'm very pleased to introduce our speaker for this evening, uh, Dr. Orit Waknin Yekatili. She is a visiting scholar here, we're pleased to say. We've had, uh, we've had the pleasure of having her this academic year here in Oxford. It's been a wonderful experience. Uh, she's from Ben-Gurion University, visiting uh, from, from Israel. And she's a historian of, a mod of modern Morocco, which she has published on a, on a, a very wide range of topics. Uh, in fact, uh, I should tell the story that we, uh, when we were discussing arrangements for um, Orit to present this evening and present in another seminar, seminar on modern Morocco that I run, I asked Orit what she would like to speak on. And she said, there were three topics. And I wrote back and said, there's a little bit of a problem there because I want you to speak on all three. All three are fascinating. So we managed to get to hear her speak on one topic uh, three weeks ago, another topic tonight. And uh, I'm trying to get a, get a, a confirmation to, to hear her speak on her third topic, which I really want to hear about as well. Her research covers some wonderful things. Her doctoral thesis focused on the artisans at the Medina, in Medina of Fez in the 20th century. Uh, she's also written and published Samuel Glawi, the wonderfully colourful Grand Qaid of the mid-20th century, and it was on that topic that she presented in the Maghreb Research Workshop. And she's also been working on the topic of Morocco uh, under the Vichy regime. This is the, the, one, the one topic she hasn't presented on, which I'm very interested to hear her views on at some stage. Um, tonight we have the privilege of hearing her talk about another aspect of her very wide-ranging research, uh, research and narratives of Morocco's Jewish community. And she has given it the wonderful title, Bled Mafihash Yahud, Mafihash Tarek. A land without Jews is a land without history. And subtitle, Researching and Narrating Morocco's Jewish Community. Orit. Thank you, Michael, for a very generous introduction. And thank you all for coming to listen. And uh, thank you for coming all the way from London. Sydney Assault is the head of the Jewish Moroccan community in Britain. Thank you all friends and for coming to listen. I read my, my uh, presentation and we'll have a discussion. It's a work in progress so I'm really, really uh, looking forward to hear your comments and reaction to this uh, project. We'll, you'll be hearing more about it later on. So today I shall discuss historical productions of academic knowledge on Moroccan Jewelry and its relationships with the broader themes, such as the histories of the places along this community's journey within the last 65 years, and global changes in, te in intellectual discourses over the same period. In some ways, the Moroccan Jewelry no longer exists. The overwhelming majority of Jewish community having left Morocco about 50 years ago. Yet, the study of Moroccan Jewry did not become an anachronistic category, and it is still a meaningful, emotive, and sometimes contentious area of cultural production. In the identity politics going on in Israel, in France, and in Ca and Canada, Moroccan Jewry plays an active role in Morocco where the local Jewish community turned into a void, its memory is still extremely powerful. The Jewish community in Morocco has a history which spans some 2,000 years. During this very long period, it witnessed the arrival of Islam, the deportation from Andalusia, and living under the various ruling dynasties of the Sharifian Empire, with Jewish communities spread all over the country, 
from its large urban centers to remote desert oases and mountainous villages, it was an integral and inseparable part of the Moroccan society. Affected by the worldwide social processes of the 19th and 20th centuries, this community, as well as others around it, were shaped by colonial modernity, nationalism, and post-colonialism. This reached a climax in a period of turmoil in the 40s and 50s, ending with a mass emigration of Moroccan Jews. Between 1948 and 1965, a quarter of a million Jews left Morocco, where at present only 1% of them origin still reside. Today, the worldwide Moroccan Jewish community is estimated in about 1 million people, 75% of them live in Israel, 10% in France, 5% in Canada, and smaller numbers in United States, Brazil, and Venezuela. My interest in the topic of the history of Moroccan Jewry, especially the historiography of Moroccan Jewry, derived from my research of modern Moroccan history in general, coupled by personal socio-political motivation, which I will further explain. In other words, as much as I was involved in an a priori non-Jewish oriented research fields, it became impossible to overlook Moroccan Jews in each of these studies. Thus, the story of Moroccan Jewry is part of the story of everything that has to do with Morocco. However, my interest started almost by, as, as a byproduct of collaborative project with Yaron Sur, looking at the research of Jewish communities in Muslim countries. As a preparation for this project, I set about re-examining the historiography of the Moroccan Jewry. Soon, I couldn't ignore the amount of data, involvement, preoccupations, and meaning that were connected with this more specific category, and it, devel it developed into a subject of its own merit. This research emerged in face of a political and cultural atmosphere in Israel and beyond, in which many, mostly popular texts, promote a Judeo-Christian fraternity that entails the de-Islamization of the Jewish history and predestined Muslim-Jewish antagonism. Thus, this study is part of a, a textual battlefield of which Morocco and its Jewish community play a unique role. My paper today looks at a number of diverse trends of historiography on the Moroccan Jewry in several socio-political, academic, and geographical contexts and examines the path that these historiographies have taken and how they reflect our realities. Following this conception, I shall study from main locals where academic writing about Moroccan Jews was and is made. The Moroccan academia, the Israeli, and then the much less intense Francophone and Anglophone ones. In connecting an academic production to one of these trends, I did not relate to the language in which it was written, but to the writer's academic affiliation. Also, while focusing mainly on academic production in each of the strand, I shall relate as well to other intellectual production and to major socio-political and cultural issues. Following the sep separate discussions in each of the academic fields, I will propose a cross-border synthesis and discuss its significance. The geographical scope of my study is global, while time-wise, I, I researched the period since the colonization in the Middle East and North Africa. 
This talk is, of course, not the first discussion of historiography about Moroccan Jewry. However, all previous studies were done within strict national context, especially the Israeli or the Moroccan. My project attempts to move beyond the national by looking simultaneously at the country of origin and the diaspora and reassembling the dispersed part of what once existed as various communities confined in one space. Furthermore, spatial separations, political confrontations, methodological and disciplinary differences, as well as modern dichotomies such as religios religiosity versus secularity, has atomized the historiographies about Moroccan Jewry and creating epistemological islands. I will start with the Moroccan narratives. Although I focus on intellectual production in post-colonial Morocco, Moroccan description of its local Jewry occur much earlier. In addition to Moroccan text, at least from the 11th century, if not earlier, the French added a large corpus of work on Morocco and its Jewry during the colonial period. The importance of this early text for the study of Moroccan Jewry is central, since much of the ethos, pastness, and makeup in which today's ideas and concepts are rooted are there. Post-colonial historiography were not able to ignore this earlier and significant database. It continued to shape them, whether they accepted or rejected the basic concepts, in terms of methodological approaches and in terms of pro providing resources for ideas and information. In the first year, years after independence, when most of Jewish community was still present in Morocco, Moroccan historiography had proactively sought to decolonize historical research. It interrogated the national identity and searched for a unifying factor instead of focusing on particular groups within Moroccan society, as often done by the colonialists. Under this discourse of nationalist unity, not much specific research were produced on the Jews. This is apparent, for example, in the 1950s and 60s volumes of Esperis Tabuda, the journal regarded as the showcase of modern Moroccan research in the humanities. The periodical's editing policy following independence pushed aside divisive subjects. Another feature of Moroccan historiography about the Jews in the 50s and 60s is that it was mainly written by Jewish Moroccan scholars such as Andres Zaguri, Carlos Denizri, and Eli Malka. By the end of the 60s, Moroccan Jewry, by and large, had departed and became a memory. Its departure left a void in Moroccan society, which is sometimes accompanied by feeling of loss, shock, insult, and many unanswered questions. The exodus created a historiographical change, which at first had to do with the transfer of the subject from the hands of Jewish Moroccan scholars to Muslim Moroccan ones. A second change, might have been connected with the spread in those years of the Annals School and Marxist theoretical approaches, which focus on socioeconomic questions and historic perspectives. This shift is noticeable in the, in the sociological search in Morocco laid by Paul Pascon, Khatibi, and Gassus. A third influence came from the Anglophone scholars, scholars like Geertz, Rosen, and Hart, who conducted academically influential anthropological studies at specific communities. The ensuing shift 
to socioeconomic and regional approaches can be seen in Moroccan researchers' studies, for example, Tafik Ahmed's work on the Jews of the Mnat and Elidris's volume about a Sawira Jewish community. These works demonstrated the socioeconomic importance of the local Jewish component for understanding the Moroccan society as a whole. Simultaneously, political tensions reached a climax in the beginning of the 70s with two failed coup attempts against King Hassan II. In the ensuing state-building process, which is orchestrated by the victorious royal court and included events such as the Green March, the Moroccan nation was portrayed as an eternal complex made of various different yet complementing ingredients, including a Jewish one. This ethos still exists in all levels of Moroccan society today. As part of the kingdom's restructuring the Moroccan higher education system, witnessed a major reform, resulting in the establishment of numerous humanities faculties throughout the country. This coincided with methodological and theoretical changes and it encouraged further research that emphasized the complex, the complex and multifaceted history of Morocco. Accordingly, studies on local Jewish history rose in number and expanded in scope. Prominent among them in that period were the first publications of Muhammad Kenbib and Ahmed Shahlan, who became among the most prolific writers about Moroccan Jewry in the following years. The rise in research about local Jewish community during the late 80s and the 90s was probably connected as well with the growing influence of post-colonial theory in the humanities and the social sciences. A growing number of studies dealing with previously voiceless groups like women or slaves were published in those years. This atmosphere was favorable to writing about Jews as well, which although not presented in the text as deprived, the mere recognition of the other social groups had also brought up the discussion in this subject. The growing academic interest in the voiceless during the 1990s coincided with the uh, intensification of the human rights discourse in Morocco. The issues were reflected in the further increase of academic research of Moroccan Jewry. The first publications of another very productive writer on the subject, Abdelaziz Shahabar, came out in 1992. Shahabar's first Jewish studies paper appeared in the proceeding of a seminar arranged by the History Research Group of his university. This represents a new feature of Jewish studies emerging in the 90s, and that organizing of academic conferences intended for principally Moroccan audiences, which included sessions about the local Jewish heritage. As part of the increasing treatment of Jewish topics, dissertations that specifically dealt with Moroccan Jewelry became more conventional. Among them was Simo Levy's thesis studying the Judeo-Arab Moroccan dialect and Mohammed Kenbin's dissertation titled Muslim and Jews in Morocco. The growth of the discipline in the 1990s was augmented by the establishment of two bodies which further accelerated the research of Moroccan Jewelry. One is the Le Groupe de Recherche d'Etudes sur le Judaïsme Marocain, located in the Faculty of Art and Humanities in Rabat Mohammed Fifth University and led by Jana Baida, currently the director of Moroccan National Archives. The second is the Museum for Jewish Culture in Casablanca, 
whose first curator was Simo Levy. In the first decade of the, of the 2000s, the group de recherche was, was very active. Beyond organizing workshops on local Jewish topics, which were often co-funded by a French research center of, on, of Moroccan Jewry, Centre de Recherche sur le Judaïsme Marocain, it also published new editions of all texts relevant to Jewish heritage with up-to-date commentaries by the group's researchers. The growing recognition of the place and uniqueness of the local Jewish community was probably linked with two other processes. First was the acknowledgement of a Mazir place in Moroccan culture. The second was the terror attack of 9-11 in the U.S., where also Moroccan terrorists took part, and that of the March 2003 in Casablanca, partly aimed at Jewish targets. The uncompromising institutional struggle against terror which ensued in Morocco, as well as calls from American and European governments to, for democratization in the Arab countries, including Morocco, further supported the legitimacy of Jewish studies. Multiculturalism, both as discourse and policy, was held as a Moroccan national theme. Since radical Islamism posed a growing threat to the royal court, all positive groups such as moderate Islamic party, Amazir, women, and also Jews could be incorporated. In the case of Jews, this incorporation was in fact the incorporation of their memory through academic research and other cultural production like cinema, since they were physically gone. This concerns echoes as well in popular discourses. To give one example, I shall mention a conversation I heard during my fieldwork at that time in a Moroccan radio program featuring the teaching of moderate Islamic leader. One lis uh, listener's question concerned the practice of pilgrimage to a certain holy tomb, that of Sidi Bouzarin, about whom there were rumors that he was a Jew. The speaker's answer was, who knows, perhaps you are a Jew as well. In Morocco, you can never know. In the last few years, in addition to conferences, associa associations, and publications, new dissertations dealing with Moroccan Jewry are, are constantly being written. Among these, a large number of uh, regional focus, while new themes emerge like critical studies of the emigration of Moroccan Jewry and the role of Zionist movement played in it. The last and most recent development, which if affected the state of Jewish studies in Morocco, is connected with the Arab Spring. After protests in 2011, the court devised a new constitution in which a prominence was granted to multiculturalism, stating that the national Moroccan unity is forged by the convergence of our Arab Islamic, Amazir and Saren Hassani component, and enriched by African, Andalusian, Mediterranean, and Hebrew heritage. This seemingly minor addition apparently made a significant change as it formally secured the commitment to the local Jewish community in the highest ranking public document, the National Constitution. This declaration had indeed some immediate effects. For example, prompted instant call for a formal edition of Hebrew language studies in the syllabi of certain university departments. The last call in this manner was made in a petition signed by the participants of a conference titled The Hebrew Component in Andalusian Culture, held in Fez a year and a half ago. In addition, 
a large number of cultural heritage management programs currently include the restoration and maintenance of all Jewish sites and neighborhood, for example, in Tiznit and in Ifran of the Anti-Atlas, which currently Yuval, my husband that is an archaeologist, and me and other colleagues are doing a very interesting project in Ifran of the Anti-Atlas that um, a mixed archaeological study of the Melah and fieldwork of anthropologists. The research of Moroccan Jewry in Morocco is now at its peak. This academic state of affairs is eloquently expressed in a popular saying once conveyed to me in Fez, Blad mafihash yaud mafihash tarikh. A country without Jews does not have a history. The intensive and continuous preoccupation with Jewish history in both academic and popular Moroccan discourses suggests that one collective memory and reenactment of Moroccan Jewry are in effect a con- constitutive element of Moroccanness. My next chapter will turn our view to Israel, will move from a place where the community had gone to a place in which the previous homeland was gone. Since the course of the following events is pretty well known, I shall describe it briefly, stressing some points uh, of relevance for the historiography of Moroccan Jewry's emigration. The massive arrival of Jews to Palestine in the first decades of the 20th century was dominated by Jews originating mainly in East Europe, called in Israel Ashkenazi. Those influenced by the dominating discourses at their places of origin, shaped by modern Jewish nationalism after the European model, including its Orientalism. Following the arenas in which Europe modeled its modernity and perceptions, the colonial context, the new evolving society in Israel became a kind of a colony in which the European concepts of nationalism and ethnicity were cultivated. Within this setting, the Islamic Jews, and among them the arriving of migration of Moroccan Jewry, took a prominent role in the consolidation of colonial modernity, as already noted by various scholars like Henrietta and Kalev and Yud- Av and others. When the State of Israel was established in 1948, the economic, cultural, academic, and political hegemony were totally controlled by Ashkenazi Jews. Moroccan Jewish immigration to Israel occurred mainly in the 50s and 60s and included a very large number of immigrants. This huge input has dramatically changed the sectorial composition of the Jewish communities in Israel, from Ashkenazi majority to almost equal numbers of Ashkenazi and what was labeled Oriental Mizrahi Jews. Within the latter, the immigrants from Morocco composed the largest group arriving from Muslim country. Facing the mass migration from Muslim countries, the Ashkenazi establishment was panicked by the possibility that its economic, cultural, and symbolic prerogatives would be eroded. Hence, the arriving Arab Jews, and especially the Moroccan Jewry, were automatically labeled by the hegemonic establishment as a problem. Since the Zionist ethos of the new nation was modeled after imagined ideal of the European, the policy that was applied towards the immigrant was that of the melting pot. According to this program, all newcomers had to forget their previous identities, especially if they were non-European, and adapt new ones. In case of the newcomers from the Muslim Muslim countries, it meant that they had to be stripped off of their Arab cultural traits 
and be transformed into an ideal European neo-biblical type Israeli. Furthermore, seeking to protect their accumulated privileges in living areas, economic, political, academic, and social positions, the administration directed the newcomers to peripheral regions and poor neighborhood, lacking in economic potential, employment options, and with minimal opportunities for social or professional mobility. This led a vicious circle of increasing poverty, discrimination, despair, and frustration. A whole community once established and respected in its country of origin became uprooted and considered as primitive at, at the new country. In this atmosphere, the number of academic publications about Moroccan Jewry in Israel during the 50s was minimal. Those that were published were mainly parts within larger essays and were written uh, by those considered to be the first generation of Israeli scholars dealing with Oriental Jewry. Shlomo Dov Goiten, Chaim Zev Hirschberg, who continued, continued the disciplinary approaches of the German or Orientalist Wissenschaft tradition. It took some 10 years of cultural, economic, and social discrimination until effective resistance em emerged. Although Jews from various Muslim countries have suffered the same degradation and humiliation, the ones who led the struggle against it were the Moroccans, beginning with the Wadi Salib protests in 1959, through the Israeli Black Panthers movement of the early 70s, to the creation of sectarian political parties in the 80s. I was so sorry because I have at home this picture where the, the Black Panthers, I think it was uh, Charlie Beaton, hold the picture of the Moroccan king at the time and with a sign, take us back, please take <laughs> us back. <laughs> Between the confrontational eruptions of the late 50s and the early 70s, the administration, ignoring the high levels, levels of frustration and misery am among the newcomers, promoted the idea that a more effective assimilative educational program will solve the Moroccan problem. Research of that time dealt with various social attributes of the Moroccan immigrants, the deconstruction of their former identity, identities and the reconstruction of new ones. Side by side with sociological studies, first anthropological researches of Moroccan immigrants emerged. When referring to the cultural heritage of Moroccan immigrants, the focus was not Moroccan Jewry's enormous contribution to literature, poetry, langu language, or philosophy, but just to their folklore. The major change in ethnic relationships in Israel occurred in the 70s. This decade witnessed in succession the Black Panthers riots the uh, 1973 war, which signaled Israel's great disillusionment in many arenas. And then the political turnover of the 1977, from the previously omnipotent Labour Party to the liberal revisionist Likud Party. In this new atmosphere, it was clear that ignoring the historical unfairness towards the Mizrahi Jews was unbearable. Accordingly, although the top ranks of the administration and academia were and still are populated by Ashkenazi elites, a place was thought to incorporate the Mizrahi Jews. Simultaneously, with these events, a complete change is observable in the academic research of Oriental Jewry in Israel. From the late, late 60s throughout the 70s, 
and in the 80s, a set of new research, research center and periodicals dedicated for the research of Jewish Arabs was opened. This institutional change resulted in an increase of academic production and the expansion of the range of subjects dealt with. Within this constellation appeared the second generation of Israeli researchers. Among them, dealing specifically with Moroccan Jewry, were Michel Abitbul, Joseph Shitrit, and Moshe Barasher. New subjects became more significant in the writing about Moroccan Jewry. However, next to them, the old prejudices did not die out, and not Moshe Shoket's paper titled Clarifying Aggressiveness Patterns Among People Originating in Morocco. From the mid-80s, a new academic line appeared which is connected with what is, uh, was called in Israeli historiography the new historian wave or the post-Zionist approach. As part of this historiographic turn, though lagging at least 10 years behind popular activism, articles which questioned Zionist approach towards Moroccan Jewry and its immigration appears as well. To note among them are studies by Sami Samoha and the activist and writer Sami Shalom Shitrit. Side by side, the 90s witnessed the entrance to the field of the third generation of scholars of Oriental Jewry. These, although dramatically increasing the output of academic production about Moroccan Jewry, wrote mostly from within the Zionist discourse. This meant that the main motive was not criti critical toward the institutional apparatus and its reception of the North African immigrant, it was a genuine wish to assimilate by means of proving Moroccan Jewry proper place within Zionism. As part of the increasing academic production, the last two decades also witnessed a growing interest in the vast world of religious issues related to Moroccan Jewry. Though dealt with before, uh, first in the rabbinical and then in the modern orthodox circles, secular academics now realized the huge potential in studying religious texts for thinking about social history. The awareness to the religious sources involved a novel appreciation for its materials and was inspired in a less direct way by the greater awareness to religious group in Israeli public life. This was instigated in some degree by the increasing political power of religious party in Israel, especially the rise of Shas which triggered the rival institution to religious fundamentalism elsewhere, expressed in a popular saying, Iran is here. The second topic is an increasing interest in the effects of the Second World War on the North African Jewry. Besides genuine historical interest, some scholars, like Yudash and Av, have suggested that an additional impetus for the, these studies was again a wish of the Moroccan Jewish community in Israel to be assimilated with the hegemonic Zionist discourse, which bases a lot of its justifications on the Holocaust of European Jewry. Such studies might prove that North African Jews suffered too by Nazi persecution. Hence, they are equal to the Ashkenazi on these terms. Another explanation of the timing of World War II studies in North Africa relates to ongoing discussion in the last 10 years whether North African Jews should get war reparations from Germany, similar to those received by Jewish European survivors. Besides a real justification for compensations, the mere inclusion of Moroccan Jewry within 
the discussion of reparations enable unquestioned annexation of the community to the cataclysmic narrative of Ashkenazi Jewry. In contrast to the cataclysmic narrative, the Moroccan community pastness and memory of the war referred to Sidi Muhammad V's nearly miraculous powers which saved his Jews from the Nazis. This story, on the one hand, facilitates the inclusion of the community within the larger World War II Jewish narrative, yet it singles them out from the Ashkenazi by saying, unlike you, we had the king to save us. Personal acquaintance with the king or with Moroccan royal family is another recurring topos in the narrative of Moroccan Jews. Thus, narrating and creating memories of past in which they had a much better status can be seen as a demand for reinstituting the proper place in a society where they were marginalized. Just mention um, a very an excellent movie telling the story of the Moroccan Jews in Yerucham in a peripheral uh, town in Israel, the end of the world and left, and the young girl there approached her mad, a Moroccan mother from a previous generation and tell her, you know, you were all the king's friend. You didn't have any proletarian, you didn't have any uh, simple people, you were all part of the court. And it's really funny because it's part of this uh, self-deception of Moroccan Jews. Similar claims for a place in society were oriented towards cultural production, both by the second and third generation of immigrants and by the state. They appear simultaneously with the rise in academic research about Moroccan Jewry in multiple locations, an unprecedented development of Andalusian music, a rise of local theater group reforming in Darija, the colloquial Moroccan dialect, and the wealth of cinema and TV production. Among the latter is the most recent series, Zaguri Imperia, which was enormously successful and irated while criticizing in a subtle way the peripheralization of Moroccan family. Concurrently, there is also an increase in the celebration of the Mimuna and reinstitution of Moroccan identity by trips to Morocco and by reinforcement of sense cult in Israel. Paradoxically, this proliferation of a Moroccan culture scene served for the depolitization of Moroccan Jews by turning them into a folkloristic ethnic sub-identity, in many cases detached from its Arab and Judeo-Islamic heritage. At this point, let's continue to discuss the Francophone writing. The presentations of both Francophone and Anglophone academic production about Moroccan Jewry are shorter than those de dedicated to the Moroccan and Israeli academic field, in correspondence with the restricted value for the otherwise vast academic Francophone or Anglophone world. Yet, it is important to pay attention to these historiographies due to their contribution to the field and to their special gaze on the subject. In Morocco, the community members were regarded as Jews. In Israel, they are often regarded as Moroccan. However, in the Francophone and Anglophone worlds, Moroccan Jewry is small part within a huge immigration-absorbing societies. The French academic interest in Moroccan Jewry started in the colonial era while also echoing long-standing perceptions about Jews of France and Europe. By that time, the French boosted ethnographic research and created a, a huge database of Moroccan society as part of the rule method. This data was put into active use 
in the structuring of the colonial state. In regard to Moroccan Jewry, the French ethnographic corpus created a melange of facts, interpretation, and stereotypes. The reports and texts about Jews were ambivalent, sometimes considering them as integral part of Moroccan society, and sometimes in the line with the French divide and rule policy and with French historical ambivalence toward Jews, presenting local Jewry as different, for example, by attributing them the ability to absorb modernity and act as its agent, better than the Muslim. The colonial literature predates the time frame that I have defined for this research. However, post-colonial French writing on the subject has many roots and intertextual connection with the French pre-colonial and colonial writing. When the French withdrew from Morocco, the state-sponsored research of Moroccan Jewry stopped. However, it continued through the work of individual researchers. The first generation of this included mainly North African Jewish scholars who had immigrated to France, where some of them were incorporated into existing academic institutions. Among them, I should mention Haim Zafrani, Marcel Ben Abu from Morocco, and Paul Benishu and André Shuraki from Algeria. The latter was also active in creating the first contacts between Israeli and Moroccan governments. Just note the real struggle that we are dealing with, yes, the struggle between Moroccan Jewry and Algerian Jewry. If the Moroccan have Milan de Vie, then the Algerian will come up with a book with 2,000 <laughs> years of. Unlike early publications on Morocco and, and in Israel, many publications of the Francophone group of researchers were, from their start, broad and encompassing history of Moroccan Jewry. As such, they became the basic textbooks on the subject which have been republished in newer editions seen ever since. Among these is Haim Zafani, Thousand Years of Jewish Life in Morocco, which being translated to Arabic and Hebrew and became a keystone in the studies of Moroccan Jewish community. The recurrence of this writing genre might be connected with the individuals who compiled them, accomplished scholars who have migrated from North Africa to France. It seems that as some sort of curators of Yud Lieu de Memoir, which was once living community, personally experienced by them, they felt obliged to compile such comprehensive publications that have become the textbooks on the subject. The work of later generation of scholars focused on specific issues like histories of particular communities, economic roles of the Jewish community, or its reactions to Zionism. Another significant group of writers at this years includes Canadian scholars of Jewish North African origins. A main theme within this group's writing is the effects of immigration on the Canadian Moroccan Jewish community, such as matters of memory loss and identity conflict. To cite a line from uh, Michael Elbaz, I returned to the house without finding the familiar faces. Only the memories remain stone, stairs, tomb, relics of mother tongue. Everybody is gone. The establishment of Le Centre de Recherche sur le Judaïsme Marocain in 1994 advanced francophone research. This center is a French-based association established by Robert Asaraf, a Moroccan Jewish businessman who had served as King Hassan II consular and concurrently as a scholar published books about Moroccan Jewry. The center defined itself as an international institution dedicated to the academic research of Moroccan Jewry, 
through independent research and collaboration with Moroccan, French, and Israeli academic institutions. It supports academic endeavors in Morocco by funding activities of the Moroccan Research Group and in Israel by donating a chair of Moroccan Jewry Studies in the Hebrew <coughs> University. It organized conferences in Paris and Morocco and financed stipend for graduate students who wrote dissertations on the subject. Recent Francophone writing is diverse and embraces many issues. However, it means themes still are immigration and identity conflict affecting the community and its memory in Canada, France, Morocco, and Israel. To summarize, Francophone writing about Moroccan Jewry and its creators, to which belong also a body of popular culture which I have not surveyed here, assumed a few roles such as creating the basic comprehensive record of the community's history and taking the responsibility of intermediating between Moroccan, Israeli, and the French worlds. In relation to the French scholars of Moroccan Jewry, it seems that the way many of them personally relate to their extremely deep-rooted and glorious heritage by the inte intellectualizing it gives them the aura of Le Grand Savant, who does deserve a place of honor in the French society. To this knowledge, the scholars themselves are also negotiating their identities in the new society to which they have immigrated. And this leads me to the Anglophone. Despite the fact that Anglophone historiography, which is mostly American, is very influential with our research field, and in order to keep with my schedule this afternoon, I shall skip the text analysis and move directly to summarizing its main characteristics. First, attention should be paid to the reverse relationships between the number of American publications on Moroccan Jewelry, which is considerably smaller than the Moroccan or the Israeli ones, and the large influence that this historiographic strength and its writer accomplished. This relates to the academic achievement of Anglophone writing, but no less to the fact that the U.S. enables the best opportunities for academic grants, fellowships, and jobs. Thus, being the most central world funding and academic center, the American field has certain ability to override others even when it produces less on the subject. The roots of this academic strength relate to a few issues. One, the salvation narrative emerged from American support to Moroccan Jewelry from the 40s onward. This forms a part of a discourse called, uh, cultivated by the Americans when discussing the Moroccan jewelry, namely, once we saved people, now we saved their memory. The legacy of the American anthropological research in Morocco during the 70s is the second one. Morocco was a place where leading anthropologists like Hart, Geertz, Rosen, Gellner, Brown, and Eichelmann have done fieldwork, which simultaneously influenced the, the discipline in Morocco and was the setting for formulating broad disciplinary theoretical approaches and, re in, and research methodologies for the whole discipline of anthropology. Among this group, Geertz and Rosen wrote about Moroccan Jews not as a separate topic, but as, but as part of their attempts to interpret cultural and symbolic mechanisms that regulated social relationships in Morocco. This approach of studying the Jews as a part of nor North African or Mi Middle Eastern society and not as a separate topic 
is apparent in the production of other researchers in academic centers for the study of Middle East, reinforced by a growing interest in the Jewish studies. In the various narrative and interpretation, there are echoes, as in any other historiography, of debate and preoccupation with inner American issues, such as the place of Jewish minority in America and the questions regarding the relationships between Israel and the Jewish world. This is apparent, for example, in a famous debate between Rose, uh, Larry Rosen and Norman Stillman about whether relationship, relationships between Jews and Muslims in Morocco were harmonious, as Rosen claimed, or problematic, as Stillman asserted. Among the current researchers of the topic in America, I would like to note particularly the Moroccan origin, currently American-based scholar Omar Boom, who had published in the last five years at least seven publications dealing with Moroccan Jewry. A common topic in his work is the issue of memory and loss. This is a part of current wider international concerns with this issue that this paper can be seen as part of. Another fairly recent development is an expanding knowledge sharing and cooperative academic production between American and Moroccan academia on the Jewish topic with a special emphasis on World War II. I refer, for example, to the collaborative American-North African workshops organized by the American Holocaust Museum, an initiative by, by the same museum of a massive copying of Jewish-related documents from Moroccan archives, and the new American, American academic push of documenting and preserving the memory of Jewish Moroccan communities, including their physical memories, synagogue, melah, etc. Here again, we can see the complex links between politics, identity, academic, and, and academic production. To sum up, the Moroccan Jewish community, which was dislocated from its homeland, continues its existence in several diaspora. In parallel with the fragmentation of the community, also its historiography disintegrated, creating a sort of literary analogy between people and their research. The aim of this talk, which focused on academic research of Moroccan Jewry, was to examine the meanings of this division. My study drew attention to the creation of epistemological islands in the places to which the community has scattered, which presented similarities, divergences, and tensions. As such, each one of them acquired its own characteristics, as can be seen in this graph, which illustrates a sample from a quantitative work which I, I have done on the subject. However, the division is not only geographic, but also, uh, but also conceptual, occurring on various axes. For example, the disconnection created by modernity between religiosity and secularism, disciplinary gaps between Jewish studies, North African and Middle East studies, or the differences between national versus universal approaches. In the case of Moroccan Jewry, in each of the islands, there is some void or loss which represents the shared experience of modernity. The absence of the, com the community in Morocco, the absence of the original homeland in other places, and above all, academic attempts to cope with this sense of absence and logging for a vanished reality. This phenomenon, beyond reflecting upon Moroccan Jewish community, testifies to the complex production of parallel historiographies, which on the one hand 
cross and blur national and epistemological borders, and on the other hand, strengthen them. All this occurs in a hyper-connected world shaped by mass immigration, which still retains its local peculiarities. Despite cyberspace and its global promise, isolation of research still can be created and particular discussions are very present. In Israel, where most of the community resides, the reinstitution of Moroccan identity and the reconnection with Morocco is remar a remarkable phenomenon, though it is done from a national Israeli perspective. Simultaneously, in places other than Israel and, and the historiographies still convent the Zionist narrative, which aspired to connect all aspects of current Jewish life, including Moroccan Jewry, with Israel. As such, these other strands present alternative modes of Jewish existence other than Zionism. Although Moroccan Jewry no longer exists as an entity enclosed within its original homeland, it is still a meaningful, emotive, and promising era of research. In the identity politics in Israel, and to a lesser degree in France and Canada, Moroccan Jewry plays an active role. In Morocco, its memory is still extremely powerful and bears witness to a longing for Muslim Jewish coexistence, coexistence while at the same time reflecting on and reasserting the importance of Jews in the Moroccan identity. The massive Mo Moroccan research on the subject, written mainly in Arabic, is a significant and promising change, not only due to its contents, but due to its uniqueness in the all-Muslim world. The research presented here belongs in a body of current writing that rethinks Muslim, Muslim Jewish relationships within the realities of Middle East Eastern conflict, Islamophobia, and deteriorating relationships between Jews and Muslims in Europe. My paper, deriving from this perspective, attempts to assist in constructing an alternative consciousness which will offer better hopes. Thank you. Thank you all very much. And I'd like to ask you to join me in thanking for a wonderful presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.